This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles On the Beat program. And uh, man, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, some off the field news at Florida, uh, some news with Georgia, and of course, the game against Tennessee, which when I looked at this game at the beginning of the year on the schedule, I just wasn't sure what we would expect from Tennessee. But I think these volunteers are probably playing better and hotter than anybody could have anticipated when they first saw this schedule and saw the Josh Heupel hire. And tonight to talk with me about the game is a, a good friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, and certainly uh, I think a leading athletics, certainly Tennessee football, uh, Jimmy Himes. Jimmy, thanks for joining me tonight, man. Mike, thanks for having me. And, and let me just say, I'm impressed with the graphics. That's big league. That was really nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we, we work on those things at Dog Nation. We got a Dog Nation daily show with Brandon Adams every day at 10 o'clock from this incredible state-of-the-art studio in Atlanta. And I do a show Monday, and we have Connor Riley does a show Tuesday, and our recruiting expert, uh, Jeff Centel, does a show Wednesday night. And then Thursday night, we all get together for something we call Cover 4, which is a, just a good excuse for us to uh, – argue and fight like brothers but uh tonight i I don't think you and i are fighting i I don't there's no fight here i think we're in agreement that this is one of the more intriguing matchups of the sec season jimmy and and i've got to ask you kind of you just your initial thoughts on the josh hypo hire because it certainly seems like that this has been a pretty good match for both sides well look to be honest with you when he was first hired he wasn't the first choice and so i questioned a little bit i wasn't sure what he would be able to do at Tennessee. I did think that regardless of who was a quarterback or who they had, I thought he would find a way to score some points. Uh, and he's done that. And I didn't know who the quarterback would be necessarily, but he was so good at a variety of stops, Oklahoma, Missouri, Central Florida. I thought with this up-tempo, they'd score points. The flip side of that is I thought the defense would be horrible. Now, they've had some moments where they played pretty well, and they've had other moments where they hadn't played well at all. But this team is five and four. To be honest with you, it's right where I thought they would be. I picked them to go, well, they're one game better than I thought. I picked them to go six and six. I thought they'd probably lose to Florida, uh, to Kentucky, probably lose to Georgia, and then lose to, and then beat South Alabama and then beat Vanderbilt. So I had them at six and six. So they're basically one game better than I thought because they should beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt, right? So they should go seven and five. I didn't see that. But the situation, the job, it wasn't a good job when he took it. And now think about this, and you probably know these numbers, but there are 44, 45 players that could be on this Tennessee team that are not. 39 in the transfer portal, two opted out for medical retirements, and then four players they let out of their national letter of intent. That's 45. They've also had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. They've had injuries at running back a variety of defensive players, and yet here they are, five and four. I mean, this staff has done a tremendous job, and they've done it in a variety of ways, but mainly it's by scoring a lot of points. But I've been very impressed with what Heupel has done. Does he still have a ceiling at Tennessee? He might. It might the whole key there for me for Josh Heupel being a maybe a nine- or ten-game winner, he's got to recruit some difference makers on defense. Offensively, I think you can recruit some three- and four-star players. 
and be really productive defensively, you better get high end four star, five star players, in my opinion, if you want to be able to win at a high level. And right now, that's what Tennessee's lacking. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, I'll tell you, it looks like they're out there trying to outscore everyone. Jimmy, I got to tell you, though, with an offense like this, I mean, if you're a kid sitting out here, you know, you want to go to Tennessee and, and run the fastest offense and, you know, all the the receivers in the or, – or do you want to go to Georgia where they're throwing about 20 passes a game right now, Jimmy? This is very interesting mm-hmm. how Kirby Smart's doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a, a ground-and-pound team, and it, they have a very good defense. In fact, here's a statistic for you, and you may already know it. You're very good at these things. But Tennessee – or excuse me, Georgia is the first team since Alabama 92 – to play their first nine games and not give up more than 13 points. You've got to go all the way back to that great Alabama defense of 1992 that I think you felt at the time, if I recall, we go that far that back, uh, yeah. you felt set the standard of the 90s. And uh, and I did too. And, and we haven't seen, this is the, that's the 85 Bears of college football, essentially. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, you mentioned Coach Heupel, He's coached 45 career games and he's never scored less than 14 points. And in fact, he scored 20 or more in 44 out of 45 games. So it's kind of neat. Something's got to give Jimmy. Uh, I've given, I've asked you your opinion on Tennessee. Uh, You've certainly been an ex sec expert for many, many years. Uh, What are your thoughts on this Georgia football team and how they rank compared to some of the great sec football teams you've seen over the last four decades? I think it's the best defensive team I've seen in the SEC. I'll go. I think Alabama in 2011 had a great defensive team. That that team gave up 8.3 points a game. I think LSU is still trying to get to midfield in the t- championship game, right? So that was a great defensive team, and I think this Georgia team compares favorably with that one. They've got great players on the defensive line, linebacker and secondary. They've got depth. They play aggressively. I really like what they do on defense. Offensively. Uh, their points per game to me is a little bit misleading. I, I don't think they have a great offense. I think some of the defense, uh, some of the points are created by defense. Some of it is maybe wearing a, an opponent out. I think they have a good running game, not a great running game. Uh, I think they're okay at quarterback, nothing special. Their receivers have been banged up a lot. To me, they're the best receiver I hadn't played this year, right? George Pickens. Right. So I, I think I think they're a little bit limited on offense. So far, it hadn't mattered, right, because the defense has been so good. But it could matter if you play Alabama. It could matter if you play another really exceptional team down the road. So I'll I'll be curious to see. But do I think Georgia deserves to be ranked number one? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to run the table in the regular season? Yes. Not 100% sure they're going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I do think this is an exceptional Georgia team. Excuse me. Uh, It's – it's the best Georgia team to me since Mark Rick's 2001 team. I think that team went 13 and one and uh, played in an orange bowl. I believe that was a, that was a heck of a Georgia team. This is Georgia's best team since then. And look, I know some people might say, well, you got to go back to 1980. That's the last time they won a national championship, but it's not the last time they've had really good teams. And so to, to me, this is the best one since 01. Uh, will they, Uh, exceed that team's record and ranking, perhaps. But that remains to be seen. It it does, Jimmy, and and you're spot on. And, uh, 
you know, honestly, the offense has uh, really sputtered at the beginning of the last few games. I mean, there's been some opportunity windows for teams. Uh, Kentucky was down 14 to seven at half. That's, you know, Kentucky's not a great program. Kentucky's not the Ohio State or Alabama. It's a 14-7 game in Sanford Stadium. You look at the Florida game. I mean, that's a three to zero game with three minutes left in the first half. And and Florida pretty much imploded with the first time starter at quarterback. It was more about Florida. And, and don't get me wrong, Georgia has an opportunistic great defense, but if Florida's smart there, that's a three zero game at halftime. We'd probably see a quarterback change. Uh, but instead, the defense strikes and it gets a turnover at the 11 and touchdown and next possession, uh, interception at the 36, next play touchdown and then pick six. And suddenly a uh, uh, knuckle, uh, one of those knuckle, white knuckle games with Florida turns into a blowout in three minutes and, and everyone gets amnesia. I mean, Georgia was struggling offensively against a team that just fired their defensive coordinator and had given up 49 points the week before to LSU. So uh, your your points are well taken. And against Missouri, Georgia needed a fourth down throw, or Missouri probably leads at the end of the first quarter, three to zero. Missouri, Missouri, Jimmy. So your point, you know, Kirby trusts his defense. Um, I think he brought JT Daniels back. You know, JT is anybody that watches, this guy has an NFL arm. He has an NFL mindset. I mean, you saw how JT finished last season, had this team on the rails, really saved Georgia and saved Kirby. If JT doesn't come riding in from the West, they, they don't beat Mississippi State. I don't know who they play in a bowl game, but they're not a top 10 team without JT Daniels. And we're not singing the same song this entire offseason with JT as the concrete number one through spring drills, through the summer, leading the team. Kirby Smart saying this guy raised the bar for the whole team. Rolls into the season, wins a showdown with Clemson, albeit we weren't aware at the time that the uh, injury JT got in a scrimmage was still bothering. Clemson also playing deep zone, uh, turns into a, a close game, uh, doesn't play the second game, and then just lit up South Carolina and Vanderbilt. I think he's, I want to say in SEC games, Jimmy, here's the telltale stat, and there's a lot of people that grab numbers and, oh, look at stats and this and that, and you're, you're like, how many of those plays were great catches? How many of those throws could have been interception? You know, people whistling by the graveyard. But on third down throws in SEC games, third down throws, JT Daniels is 10 of 11. Uh, Stetson Bennett is 6 of 26. If you can put wow. Stetson Bennett in a situation, third and third down and throw, you're going to stop him more times than not. And that's where an opportunistic defense. But frankly, Jimmy, I haven't seen a defense that's been good enough to make Kirby Smart and Georgia pay for playing the, the junior college quarterback. And, and in the meantime, they'll keep handing off. Um, they haven't thrown more than 20 passes in any game uh, since JT Daniels was the starter. It's a, it's a different offense. So it'll be fun to watch. So let me turn this back to Tennessee, Jimmy. Can Tennessee be the team that exposes Georgia's weakness in the secondary? There's not many weaknesses but the cornerbacks have been somewhat suspect at times. South Carolina hit them four times for gains of more than 35 yards. We saw four pass interference penalties against Clemson, but nobody's really gotten to those corners since. What are your thoughts on the way Tennessee operates on offense, and can they get to those corners? Mike, I think Tennessee's offense can do that. And I'll say that because, one, Tennessee runs at this warp speed offense. 
they caught Alabama a couple of times with Alabama's cornerbacks looking at the sideline, snapping the ball, and Tennessee's receivers running by them. Now, Kirby Smart runs pretty much the same defense that Alabama runs, right? And if Nick Saban's defense had trouble with it, I think Tennessee could potentially give Georgia some trouble. Uh, they, they, Tennessee does a wonderful job not only of going fast, but also of getting some good matchups. For example, against Kentucky the other night on the fourth play of the game, they had Valus Jones, arguably their fastest receiver, matched up with a linebacker. There was no match. And so Velas Jones has a 72-yard touchdown catch. They will find some matchups like that and take advantage of it. I think Hendon Hooker has been marvelous. He, in my opinion, he's moved himself into the conversation as being one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the SEC. You would take the guy at Ole Miss, you take the Alabama quarterback, and I'm not sure who else you would take right now in the SEC. So he's played at a very high rate. He's made good decisions. He's been accurate. But And I give the Tennessee offensive staff credit, really good play callers, really good at getting the matchups they want, taking advantage of it. So to your question, do I think Tennessee could potentially expose the cornerbacks a little bit at Georgia? I do. Now, does that mean they're going to score 35 points? No. <laughs> um, can they get to 17? Maybe. Maybe they can get 17 on Georgia, which would be the most anybody scored on them this year. But I do think with the way Tennessee's offense is rolling right now and the way Hooker's playing, I think there's a chance that Tennessee will hit some big plays. And the game is in Neyland Stadium. Let's remember that. I mean, this is a home game for Tennessee, and there's going to be a lot of momentum. You play the number one team in the country, uh, that gasses a team up. I mean, you might say, well, what's Tennessee playing for? Well, they're playing for the moment. And, and Georgia, meanwhile, is, is, has played like a team that's playing not to lose. Kirby's been very conservative. If Tennessee can get to JT Daniels, that that's a good news, bad news for them. It's 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 bad news for Georgia in the sense that it means something went wrong, but it's also good news because JT Daniels is a much higher ceiling quarterback, and it may be yeah. that Kirby just feels like he needs a reason to make that move. We've seen Kirby Smart and quarterback decisions in the past, Jimmy. Um, you know, I, I would defend him on the Fromm Fields thing, but the way this situation's been managed. I can only say puzzling, and, and I know fans get upset because, you know, hey, they're winning, he's the head coach, he's making all this money, and, and I'm sure there's reasons, but he he's not transparent. So we don't know, Jimmy. We don't get to go to practices and see. Uh, we ask questions, uh, and, and, you know, for example, Kirby told us that, uh, you know, that him and the staff talk before every game and know who's going to play. So I asked him, did you know in advance that JT Daniels would play against Missouri? He wouldn't disclose that. So when coaches are when coaches cloak those decisions, it, it makes me wonder and it makes me suspicious. And um, I guess that's just my instinct. It's just college football is less transparent than ever. And certainly it does seem odd when you have a preseason Heisman candidate who was the clear cut number one. And suddenly you're saying that the former walk on that couldn't get a scholarship anywhere, it, it, it clearly lacks the same arm talent is your guy. It's it's a really curious thing, but as long as George is winning, everybody's happy, and they would just assume people don't talk about it. That's well, just how fans are. Just, hey, we're winning. Right. Don't talk about it. Your thoughts on that, Jimmy? Well, well, let me throw this at you. A few years ago, if I'm not mistaken, Clemson was undefeated, and they had a quarterback named Kelly Bryant. And Dabo Sweeney said, there's a higher ceiling with this guy named Trevor Lawrence. So he changed quarterbacks four or five games into the season. The first game, I think Lawrence got hurt. They had to have somebody bail him out. But from that point on, Clemson went on, and he won a national championship with Trevor Lawrence. 
this isn't breaking any news, but looking at Georgia from my perch, you know more about Georgia than I do, but I've always felt like the the player that gives them the most optimum level to have a great team is JT Daniels. It's not Stetson Bennett. It's JT Daniels. And they have not needed him so far, but for Georgia to play at its optimum level on offense, they need to have a different quarterback. Now, that's my opinion on it. And obviously, Kirby Smart's making a lot of money to make a lot of decisions. But I think it could catch up to them. Heck, I remember even Nick Saban at halftime of a national championship game changing quarterbacks. So just because you're undefeated doesn't mean you should be so hard-headed that you don't look at the potential to have something better and to play at your highest level. Stetson Bennett does not give you, in my opinion, the opportunity to play at your highest level. That's why I'm surprised they haven't gone more with JT Daniels. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Jimmy, because now with the transfer portal, you have to take that into consideration. Stetson Bennett does plan to come back next year. Does JT Daniels, though? So, And, and then the plot thickens, right? So, it, But right now, it's one game at a time. We've got this super matchup in Knoxville. And let's flip this around, Jimmy. I don't want to keep you here all night. Actually, I do, but I won't because – Jimmy has a, a life and a real job like everyone else, and I've already taken up more time than I said I would. But he's, as you can tell, he's a wealth of information. So let's flip it around. We just saw Missouri, the worst run defense in the league. The, or excuse me, the worst run defense in the country just held Georgia's leading rusher, Zamir White, to 14 yards on nine carries last week. Yeah. They completely sold out to stop the run and opened up some of those deep shots and play action. Will Tennessee do the same thing? Will they play this? I, it's kind of like a basketball team that presses. Like they want you to throw over the press because they want to force the tempo. Do we think Tennessee is going to load up like that also? Yes, and I think they should. Uh, Tennessee's run defense has been pretty good for the most part. It's actually been pretty good against opposing running backs. That's going into the Kentucky game, only one running back all year had gained more than 62 yards on the ground. And that was Brian Robinson at Alabama, who got over 100. Uh, Tyler Beatty, who leads the SEC in rushing, or he did, got 41 yards against Tennessee's run defense. So the run defense against running backs has been pretty good. Where Tennessee has struggled in the run game is stopping opposing quarterbacks. Emory Jones had 144 yards. Matt Corral had 195. Uh, Bryce Young had 42, which was a, a, a high for him. And then Will Levis at Kentucky he gained 72. He lost some yards on sacks, but he actually gained 72. That was his second most productive running game. So Tennessee struggles against running quarterbacks. They don't struggle as much against I-formation teams. They're just going to run it right at them. However, Tennessee's also struggling in this regard, Mike. The last three games, they have been abysmal on third down defense. Kentucky was 12 out of 17. Alabama was 15 out of 20 on third down. Ole Miss was 11 out of 21. That's 38 of 58 on third down in the last three games. Now, that there's no way you can sustain that and be successful. Uh, the other factor is, I thought this was kind of funny. So the defense was on the field for 99 plays against Kentucky. Actually, it was 103 if you count plays in which there were penalties. So Rodney Garner, the defensive line coach, said, man, God, your defense, 99 plays, you must have really felt bad about your defense. He said, hey, if those guys wanted to get off the field, they'd have stopped them on third down. That's their fault. <laughs> Basically, that's their fault. If you want, don't want to play 99 snaps, stop somebody on third down. That's been a real problem for Tennessee's defense. Now, many times when they haven't stopped somebody on third down, it's because the quarterback runs. I don't see Stetson Bennett running that much. I don't think he's the runner that Matt Corral is or Emory Jones. So I don't know that Georgia's going to hurt him that much. 
But to your question about Tennessee selling out, absolutely. I think they'll sell out to stop the run and try to make Stetson Bennett beat them. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Jimmy that, ten, that Tennessee recently wrapped up their internal investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously uh, that was a very dark cloud and it's amazing how things change. You know, I remember when Lane Kiffin left there under the cloud of the NCAA, it took three years, three years before the cloud was finally gone. The entire Derek Dooley era was clouded. The recruiting was damaged by what Lane did in that one year. Are we really talking about this wrapping up that quickly or or is there more out there and, and this is just uh, wishful thinking from Tennessee that that maybe this can be all tidy and cleaned up because all the players and all the coaches involved are gone? Well, let's let's be clear that Tennessee said it was not self-imposing a bowl ban and that the investigation has been is over. The internal investigation was conducted by a law firm out of Kansas. The NCAA zoomed in on all the interviews that the law firm had. So there's no reason for the NCAA to conduct a separate investigation. They were there lock, step, and barrel. They know everything that was going on. That does not mean that the NCAA will not come back and give Tennessee a bowl ban. Now, will it be for this year? Probably not. They don't move that fast. They move at a glacier's pace, as we all know. So there's a chance that the NCAA could say next year, Tennessee, bowl ban. Now, Tennessee is going to self-impose some scholarship restrictions. Uh, I'm sorry, reductions and some recruiting restrictions. They're going to do that. Now, what's that totally going to be? I don't know. Five scholarships, seven scholarships. I don't know what they're going to impose. Tennessee feels like this team has earned the right to go to a bowl game. I can't argue with that. But has the cloud been lifted? No, because the NCAA has not spoken. The NCAA has not made its decision. And you and I both know that in the SEC, coaches are going to recruit against Tennessee and tell prospects, hey, there's a bowl ban coming. Not just one year. It could be three years. Who knows? So they're going to play that. So it's still going to have, I think, a bit of a negative impact on Tennessee's recruiting. Having said that, I think that that does not, to me, outweigh Tennessee rewarding these players for going to bowl games. You've got – I mean, there are 45 players that could be on this roster that aren't. The ones that stayed, the seniors, the super seniors, the ones that stuck it out, I think they've earned the right to go to bowl. So I agree with Tennessee's decision, even though that NCAA cloud might hang over your head for another year. Fascinating news from Jimmy. The technology, the Zoom technology enabling the NCAA to move faster. Never really thought about it. It makes a whole lot of sense. Jimmy, before I let you go, uh, two final questions. One, NIL. Uh, And I've told a lot of people at Georgia this. NIL, name, image, likeness. We see it. uh, Kentucky freshman basketball players have deals with Porsche. Uh, mm-hmm. I think about the University of Tennessee and, and I and I think about the Haslam family and I think about the Pilot Oil Corporation. And I know they sponsored a NASCAR and that's a multi-million dollar venture. But could Pilot Oil, I believe the Dish Network is also has an association with Tennessee. There's right. a lot of money behind Tennessee. Could this be something that brings Tennessee football roaring back if they're able to offer lucrative NIL deals that maybe other schools don't have? Uh, the the booster attachments to offer? Could Tennessee benefit from this? Yes. I think the Haslam family just pulled the plug on Jimmy. (laughs) The governor, the former governor, Bill Haslam, they probably went, shut him off, cut him off. We'll try and get Jimmy back here in a moment. (laughs) Jimmy, you guys see, he's outstanding. He does a show every day from three to seven. He is truly 
the voice of Knoxville. I mean, before I covered Tennessee as a beat guy, Jimmy was there as a beat guy. And uh, now he's done this radio show in Knoxville for, gosh, I guess it's 25 years. And again, he's the absolute authority, not just on Tennessee, though. When I go to SEC spring meetings, uh, Jimmy's there as well. Truly one of the best reporters. Hope we get Jimmy back here in a moment. Uh, pretty fascinating content, though, from Jimmy, though. So it sounds like Tennessee moving past the NCAA investigation. Yeah, they can come back and get it. But this isn't something that's going to drag on. That's something I wondered if that would happen. Could this be a two or a three year type of deal? Uh, obviously, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Yes, they could eventually get a bowl ban, but not this year. And Jimmy confirming our suspicions that Tennessee will probably load up to stop the run, challenge Georgia to throw over the top. Also, some interesting numbers from Jimmy. Teams have converted on third downs. That will be music to Kirby Smart's ears. He will want to control the football. The fact that quarterbacks have had success rushing the ball. If Georgia stays ahead, that plays well for Stetson Bennett to stay on the field and convert third downs as a runner. You know that's how Kirby likes to do it. Only as much offense as needed. To Jimmy's point, I agree. JT gives them the higher ceiling. But if they can get by Tennessee, I don't think they're going to be challenged in the next two games with Charleston Southern or with Georgia Tech. So very interesting scenario. Be interesting to see how much JT plays. I'm going to go ahead and take my halftime break right now. I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. When I come back, I'm going to give you the stock report, the players who are on the rise, who are performing exceptionally well, some that – Maybe aren't, right? Stock even. And then we're going to take a look around the league, talk a little bit about that Florida news, and also Nebraska re-signing Scott Fraud, restructuring his contract. Right now, let's take a moment and recognize Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for you. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. Stand together for worse and for better We'll always have your back Open arms, heart to heart Hand in hand Community strong I want to welcome Jimmy back to finish up his segment there, Jimmy. I appreciate <laughs> you, Joyce. I think the Haslam's uh, cut your line. These are powerful people, man. Uh, you, I was asking you about the potential for NIL uh, to put Tennessee in an advantageous position. And then I was also going to ask you for the formula for a Tennessee upset Saturday afternoon in Neyland Stadium. I do think Tennessee has an opportunity to take advantage of this, but I don't know that they're going to be able to offer any more than what a lot of other schools could offer. George, Alabama, I mean, Bryce Young's got a million-dollar deal at Alabama, supposedly. Uh, Ohio State got a player that should be a senior at Texas high school, and he's not even starting. He's making a million dollars. Anthony Richardson got a deal at Florida, and if he can not hurt his knee from dancing, then maybe he can take advantage of it. There, there are a lot of other places that can do this. I don't think that's a huge advantage for Tennessee. To me, the thing Tennessee has to do is start winning and getting the best players in the state of Tennessee. Mike, you, you probably know this, but the state of Tennessee 20 years ago was not very good in football recruiting. It's pretty darn good right now. It's way better than it's ever been. I've been covering them for 36 years. I've never seen the state have this many good prospects. So Tennessee's got to start doing that and then start winning. I think that will help them more than name, image, and likeness. So what are the keys for Tennessee against Georgia? Uh, I do think we, we touched on this earlier. They've got to be able to hit some splash plays against Georgia's defense by maybe catching them off guard, 
catching them in a matchup problem and uh, and going that direction. The other thing is they got to contain the run game to make Stetson Bennett beat them. They got to—I can't say shut down the run, but at least contain it. Don't let Georgia run for 200 yards. If they do, you got no chance. Uh, the other thing is Tennessee has got to finally start stopping somebody on third down. You can't give up 68% on third down, which they've done the last three games and win a football game. And the other thing is, and this is a, a an old phrase, but the, the turnover margin. I think Tennessee probably has to win it by at least two if they want to win this game. Uh, heck, we saw Kentucky lose at Mississippi State. One, what was one of the big reasons? They lost the turnover battle four to zip. So I, I think the turnover battle is, is going to be big for Tennessee, the turnover ratio. The other thing is Hendon Hooker's got to play really well. Uh, they, you probably know this, but Tennessee has been horrible at protecting its quarterback. Kentucky had five sacks against Hooker. Tennessee's given up 33 sacks this year. That's by far the most of any team in the SEC. And now you're playing arguably the best pass rushing team in the league in Georgia. You better protect your quarterback. Now, both the Tennessee's running backs are banged up. I don't know if Tyon Evans or Jabari Small are going to play. Uh, if they don't, they got a true freshman running back, Jalen Wright. That's not a good recipe either. So I think Tennessee's going to ask Hendon Hooker to, to do an awful lot to try to beat Georgia. But having said all that, I don't see Tennessee winning the game. I do think they can make it interesting. I do think they can hang with Georgia for a while. But ultimately, I, I don't think Tennessee's got the personnel to beat Georgia. And we did see him hang with Alabama and certainly a, a great win for Tennessee against Kentucky. Jimmy, truly one of the best. Tell people where they can find you. I let them know while you were gone that you host a daily show, 3 to 7. Anybody that needs to know anything more about uh, Tennessee or even SEC-wide sports, but where can people find you? If you're on iHeartRadio, you can listen to our show from 3 to 7 Eastern. Uh, if you're in the area, you can catch us at 990 AM, 99.1 FM. Uh, my Twitter account is at Jimmy Himes. Uh, Mike, I was just thrilled to at one point have 24 fake accounts. Uh, we've, we've whittled some of those down. So, But if you can go to at Jimmy Himes, you can follow my tweets and you can follow my blogs. I will send you to our link to follow that. So uh, we'd love to have you uh, follow us and love to have you listen to our show. Great stuff, Jimmy. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. Jimmy Himes. You know, if Jimmy hadn't become the sports director at Cumulus, I might still be covering Alabama. I would have never gotten that job with the Knoxville News Sentinel. But uh, Jimmy got the big promotion, and he's been there 25 years, and he's done an incredible job. And really, uh, you were just listening to one of the best and most informative media people in the South, really in the nation, a guy I really respect and appreciate him coming on here. And you see it. Jimmy just tells it like it is every day. That's what he does. He's got opinions, he's got knowledge, and he's a great reporter. And when you've got that kind of background, that's where you get opinions, right? When you talk to people, you know, not just shooting from the hip, right? I come on here and give you my opinions. I got a secret for you. It's not just because I'm just sitting here uh, eating Cheetos, watching TV. I've talked to a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds from the NFL level to a lot of the players' families and uh, situations that I've seen other places. And it's exciting, to cover a team like Georgia that's this dynamic that I believe will win the national championship. We are watching a national championship team. We're enjoying a national championship season. It's like watching a TV series that you know you like. You tune in every week. And you know what? Sometimes the characters don't always do what you want, right? Sometimes you're a little disappointed by that plot. You didn't really like that episode. And that happens with football. 
I think we're all like that. And, you know, I'm like anyone else. I want to see this be the best football team that I have ever covered in my career. People always say to me, Mike, who do you root for? You know what I root for? First of all, I root for me. I root for good game stories. I root for exciting news access, right? But but I root for uh, I root for a good story, and I don't want people to say this was the greatest SEC defense. I want people to say this was the greatest SEC team that I'm covering. Right? I want a piece of that. I want to write about it. I want to be able to talk about it. I can't tell you how many times people. What about those '98 Vols you covered? They were undefeated. What about those <clears throat> Rose Bowl Spartans? You know. What about this? You know, the great, the undefeated Auburn team you covered. You know, they were all special. And I remember certain facets of it. And nowadays, nowadays it's different. Social media scrutiny is a game changer. It is so hard to be perfect now. It is so hard to be perfect. I'll repeat that. And Georgia is trying to be perfect. And I give Kirby Smart a ton of credit. Because he has built a machine. And I heard what Jimmy said about the players that Tennessee was missing. But think about this. Think about all the guys George is missing. As Jimmy said, they've been missing their best receiver all year, George Pickens. I'm not sure Dominic Blaylock wouldn't have been the next best receiver. When you think about it, Jermaine Burton has been kind of inconsistent. When he's in there, he can be dynamic. But you never know when he's going to be in and when he's going to be out. Lad McConkey has been a wonderful surprise. I am all in on Lad McConkey. I think Lad McConkey is a future team captain. I think he's George's answer to Hunter Renfro. Speed, reliability, leadership, dependability, toughness. Lad McConkey is a name you're going to hear over and over and over and over. Brock Bowers is unbelievable. I mean, this kid, this is unbelievable. This California kid, Brock Bowers, to me, and I, I run, you may not, may or may not know this, but I run the Freshman of the Year Award for the Football Writers Association. I've got a panel. I can tell you, Brock Bowers looks about a slam dunk of a tight end, freshman All-American. I'm starting to wonder, is he in the conversation for Freshman of the Year? Last year, Will Anderson won that award, the Alabama linebacker. Could Brock Bowers get the numbers? I don't know. They're not throwing it a lot right now. I mean, Darnell Washington had one pass. If you want Darnell Washington to stay at Georgia, he's going to need more than one target a game. This is a guy that's got a family to feed. He needs the football. He's going where he can get the football. I'm telling you, folks, got to get Darnell the ball. This guy's unbelievable. He's got to get more. You've got to throw more than 20 times a game if you're going to maintain this level of receiver's talent and recruit more. You just lost a receiver to Missouri. That's why I look at this and say, man, Georgia could be blowing it up right now. I mean, just imagine the scores. But again, you're trying to pitch a perfect game. You don't want to do anything on offense to lose the game. I get it. I just feel like there's much more of this Georgia team that can come to fruition. And now that Arian Smith is back, and now that Jermaine Burton is back, it may make more sense to see JT. I don't know. That's a Kirby Smart call. But the offense, when they were rolling with JT, Seven, I think he's seven and zero as the starter. The pass first offense. I mean, it was it was the explosive offense that we'd all talked about that you needed, right? The defense has been so good, and the competition, frankly, hasn't been good though. So as Jimmy said, you can get away with playing Stetson Bennett, and so far they have. 
And we'll see how it folds. We'll see how it unfolds. Your opinion, my opinion, I guarantee you the only opinion that matters is sitting in that corner office over there in Butts Mayor. And he don't really care what anybody says. And that's another thing about Kirby Smart. I want to get into my stock it's report. I did a talk. I did Shop a uh, I did a stock report here data. where I took New a look at some of the top player performances reviews. last Please week. Who is in? Who is out? And uh, I always like doing this stock report every week. It's kind of one of my favorite features because I get to pick out some guys and give them special credit. Nolan Smith. Oh my gosh, is this guy blowing up? All it's like all of a sudden. I did a midseason stock report, kind of a crystal ball. And I predicted that he would turn it up a notch. I didn't really, I thought to myself, well, what's he going to, is he going to gain 20 pounds and stop to run better? Why do I think this is magically going to happen? I, I don't know. I just felt like, you know what? I know this is a talented kid. I've, I've met him. Uh, I lived in the same apartment building with him for a little bit. Uh, he, he's, an, he's a tremendous off the field personality. Most of you probably know that about Nolan. Uh, he's a team leader and unbelievable. He now, though, is taking over games. He's finding ways to take over games. This is a defensive catalyst. This is a guy who's going to be in the NFL. I don't know if he goes pro after this year. Does he stay another year? Hopefully he stays another year and works himself into a first-round pick like Jordan Davis did. But really impressed with Nolan Smith and the way he's affecting games now. You saw it against Florida. He pretty much single-handedly took over the game with the forced fumble and recovery at the 11. And then the next series, the interception off a tip pass, uh, you know, he, he literally took over that football game. It was a three to zero game uh, without Nolan Smith, who knows what happens um, three zero game at half, perhaps. So he's one guy, Trayvon Walker, big fourth down stop last week. I'm going to give Missouri credit. I like those quarterbacks. I, I know they only end up with six points on the board against this historically good defense, but both of those quarterbacks impressed me with their running ability, their size, uh, there were some drop passes. Missouri didn't have any receivers that could really threaten Georgia, I didn't think. And, uh, you know, Batty was a good running back, but I was impressed with both those quarterbacks. But, but Trayvon came off the edge and with a nice open field tackle, also two TFLs. He doesn't get a lot of the same love that, that Jordan or Devontae or Jalen Carter or Nolan get. Um, he's got a tough job over there at end, but I think he plays it well. He's another guy that will have a decision to make. Does he come back for another year to work into that first round? Does he go pro as a third rounder? That's going to be up to him. Uh, so those were the three guys. And pass protection was a stock soaring. Stetson tells us, he said, I didn't get touched. Like I didn't, Stetson just had all day in the pocket. Wait, 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 wait. Broderick Jones, I thought, came in and did a great job. Kirby uh, saying there was a couple focus deals with him and made it sound like maybe Jamari might come back in. I I don't know. Broderick's been getting reps all year. They're really working him hard to get him, get him where they want him. Um, obviously a special talent, a former five-star in his second year, you know, once he gets in there, like I thought once he got in there, like he would be locked down, but, but maybe Kirby doesn't want to upset the apple cart. Cause if you put Broderick at left tackle and you move, uh, you move, uh, Jamari in, who do you displace Erickson or Justin Schaefer? You know, so it may be a situation where where Jamari will go back to left tackle because he doesn't want to push out the super senior Justin Schaefer, um, who came back for that extra year. Stock up, right? So stock soaring were those three guys. Stock up, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith. Having these flyers on the edge is a game changer. Jermaine made an unbelievable catch coming back to an underthrown ball for a touchdown. Uh, also got a touchdown catch this year. Really good to see Jermaine Burton back in the lineup. He's a guy who's had a lot of injuries, uh, hasn't been able to stay healthy. But uh, to see him on the field, I thought was a really key 
weapon for Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense. Arian Smith as well. I think somebody told me three of his five catches have been from touchdowns. That probably sounds right. Um, this kid's fast. What can you say? Four, two, three speed. The 35 touchdown catch, it looked great. Uh, he looked like a football player who runs track on that play, not a track guy that's trying to play football. Kenny McIntosh, two catches, 37 yards, and incredible one-hander. If it's on the money, he catches it in stride. It's a touchdown. Uh, as it was, he had to look over the other shoulder, make a one-handed catch. That's special. I mean, that's that was that's the kind of play an NFL player makes. Kenny McIntosh is a future NFL player, in my opinion. Got to stay healthy. I know he had that hamstring earlier, but those skills – is a pass catcher, and we haven't really got to see him run very much. He, he doesn't get many much reps. Again, you've got such a crowded situation there uh, with Cook and Zamir both coming back this year, kind of caught those guys off guards. Uh, so guys like McIntosh and Milton really didn't get the work they wanted, um, ideally. But uh, the, I think they'll both. I think they'll both be back. Uh, certainly, Kenny is a guy to look forward to, and Kendall as well. I thought Dejon Edwards made the most of his opportunities. He impressed me. We'll see what happens with Dejon. Boy, he certainly has waited. Only had four touches, but out of those four touches, he had 29 yards rushing, 37 yards receiving. I like the way he runs. He's low to the ground. Uh, could he be an NFL back? I don't know. I haven't quite seen enough. What we have seen has been mop-up. Uh, but I think Dejon Edwards is a talented guy. And JT Daniels stock up. Look, JT hadn't played in six weeks. He's 7 of 11. Uh, Kirby said he had command of the offense. He's still coaching Stetson up, uh, you know, giving Stetson tips on the sidelines, telling him what he sees out there, helping him with the reads, all in on the team. Uh, had one pass behind Burton, got tipped up in the air and, and picked. Uh, tough break for JT. Uh, you know, some throws can be like that, right? I mean, Stead had three or four plays that could have been that way. You know, I thought Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint had a great catch on the sideline. We talked about the underthrow to uh, Burton. And then, of course, early in the game, Adani Mitchell had a ball thrown behind him uh, just off the top of my head. Stock even. I'm not going to downgrade Zamir White, but I do think you need to note 14 yards on nine carries. I mean, uh, you know, Z Zamir's got to make something happen there. There wasn't much daylight, but but again, we're talking about elite uh, as Kirby says, you're either a leader or you're not. Uh, Podlesny made his two field goals of 20 and 25, but Kirby passed on that drive of allowing Podlesny to try a 52-yarder from the Missouri 35 on fourth down. Thought that was interesting and telling. Darnell Washington, once again, uh, only get one target. That's that's surprising, and it's something that you know George has got a game plan for. They've got to get Big Zero involved in the game. I mean, he's, he's, he's not here for practice. He's here to play. And then the defense, as good as they looked, and they're remarkably good. I'm not going to say stock down. I'm going to say stock even, though. But two of the last three games, no turnovers. This is important that they continue to force turnovers. The offense is going to need that help, maybe against Tennessee. Don't know how important it is against Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech. I hope Georgia doesn't lose their stinger, you know, not playing in those games because those games are just they're just bad football games. I mean, it's a chance to play a lot of other kids, I suppose, and get everybody healthy. But I just I hope it's not a situation where you fall out of rhythm because the competition is so poor. Uh, Charleston and Georgia Tech, and you've heard me talk about that Tech game. I don't I don't like that game there. I, I don't. I, to me, that's one of those nothing to gain, everything to lose opponents. I'd much rather see that be a. Uh, you know, South Carolina should get smart and move their game to Clemson to the start of the year and let South Carolina Georgia play the last week of the season or something. I, I don't like the Tech game there personally. Uh, this year, though, certainly it looks like Tennessee is going to be the last threat 
uh, to Georgia's perfect regular season. And if Georgia does beat Tennessee, as I expect that they will, it'll be the first time since 1982 that Georgia's had a perfect SEC season. And how remarkable is that? And again, says so much about the job that Kirby Smart has done building this football program. So you probably saw the news on Florida. And, uh, you know, I don't like seeing coaches fired with games remaining in the season unless, uh, you know, there's some sort of internal investigation or some player mistreated. I don't know that it really helps the team. I don't know that it really jump starts the team. Um, uh, but I think it kind of scapegoats somebody and maybe kind of gets everybody off of the coaches and the, the program's tail a little bit. Like, look, hey, look, see, we're doing something about it, you know. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're taking away coaches that players have a relationship with and that, you know, you hired and put into positions of expertise. Uh, we know they were probably going to get fired at the end of the year. Does it really help them? It actually may help the coaches that got fired, though, because now they can, you know, get out of that mess. The stress is off them. You know, the guillotine's not hanging over their head. They can start looking for other jobs. Other schools can consider them for positions. And, uh, and they will. And they will, you know, be considered for other positions. Uh, so you saw that Nebraska also uh, fired their offensive line coach, fired their running backs coach, uh, and their quarterbacks coach. Uh, they've restructured Scott Frost's deal. You know what's fascinating to me is that it wasn't so long ago that Scott Frost was considered the highest and best candidate for a job out there. That's remarkable. And now the struggles that he's having at Nebraska, uh, you know, so you know, Scott Frost is a former Husker, just like Kirby's a former Bulldog. I don't know that Georgia would have stood behind Kirby Smart for four years. I, I just don't. But I think Nebraska is so desperate. I think Nebraska realizes uh, that because of the demographics, the recruiting demographics, they need a guy that can recruit nationally and make magic happen. And I think they're all in on Frost, and if not Frost, too. Tennessee actually looks like they're doing a better job recovering than Nebraska. They're kind of in the same situation. I think they have a little bit of a better recruiting base uh, than Nebraska, certainly, but they also have much taller and better competition. I mean, how is Tennessee ever going to catch Georgia? How is Florida going to – how is anyone going to catch Georgia? Unless Georgia implodes, unless Georgia has internal issues and loses the trust of recruits, uh, I don't see anybody catching the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart. Kirby is maniacal uh, when it comes to details. You know, I loved it after the game. They blow out Missouri 43-6, and Kirby's talking about being lackadaisical. He's talking about the lack of discipline in the rush lanes, uh, selfishness, guys that aren't staying uh, and aren't maintaining that gap integrity. They're coming out and trying to chase the quarterback for stats. That's not the way it works. You got to build a wall. You stay here. You stay here. You stay here. They got nowhere to go. As soon as you vacate your position, <clears throat> you give that quarterback that cutback. And everybody needs to stay true to their gaps and maintain this team-first attitude that this no-name defense has. Very important. Loved it that Kirby called him out on that. Uh, you know, some coaches, when they win, it's, ah, we won. Everything's great. I know sometimes I'll do these critical analysis pieces or I'll give you guys feedback. People, oh, well, you know, they're undefeated. So everything. Yeah, that doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It doesn't mean that you can't improve. Kirby Smart understands this. The programs I've covered that have won championships, 
uh, that have won league titles. You know, I think about Gene Stallings. Uh, again, we made that historical reference that this Georgia team matched that incredible 92 Bama defense. And if you're too young to remember it, uh, that's too bad because that team was unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable defense up front, same front seven. They had great corners as well. Uh, Jay Barker was the quarterback, probably a little more accomplished than what we've seen recently, but a very similar game plan in the way they grinded and played field position. Um, you know, you just take a look at how Kirby pushes these players. And as he says, if it ain't broke, find a way to make it better. And that's what makes me think that, as Jimmy said, gave the example of Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Dabble Sweeney, same way. Coach is constantly looking to get better, not going to get complacent. Georgia is not going to get complacent as long as Kirby Smart is the head coach. And you don't have to agree with everything. I don't have to agree with everything. That's what makes talking football fun. The fact is Kirby sees every practice and he wants to win it all. And uh, and what, what's going through his mind, I don't know. But what I do know is this is the best football program uh, that I've been around in a long, long, long time. Um, and Kirby's mentality as a competitor is such that I always leave that sliver and say he knows something that I don't. He, you know, there's something that Kirby knows uh, clearly that maybe he's not getting into or what he wants to say. But ultimately, I, I want to see that high ceiling. I think all the Georgia fans want to see Georgia at their best. Uh, it's a fun team. The personality's coming out. You know, I talked with Lewis Seen today. This is just kind of a silly little story. But Lewis was wearing a, a, a kind of a choker with a turtle on it. And I thought, well, that was that's really interesting. And Lewis is a very philosophical young man. I mean, Lewis Seen is, is a really – obviously, he's incredibly intelligent. But he's also philosophical. If you haven't had a chance uh, to look at the video, uh, Lewis Seen's interview today, I really strongly encourage you to do that. This conversation I had with him was off camera, but I was asking him why the turtle. And he said, you know, life moves really fast. Things happen so fast. And the turtle is there to remind him to slow down uh, and take everything in and, and enjoy life. And uh, and I said, I said, when, right? When Kirby's acronym, what's important now? And Lewis is like, you got it, you know? And I just thought this kid, you know, and this is one of many. This is one of many. You've seen the Nicobe Dean clip where he points to seven too much. You've, you've seen Christopher Smith talking about going to the doctor every Monday and fixing what's wrong in the secondary. You know, we've seen Jordan Davis and, and just the magic and the warmth that you can sense. You know, most of you probably ne never met Jordan, but you can tell who he is. And that is who he is. He's, he's wonderful. He's jovial. He's positive. Incredible glue guy. You know, you, you see the acumen of, you know, JT Daniels not starting. And yet he's still on the sideline helping out, drawing up things for the offense. Uh, who was it? Warren Erickson telling us the story about how there was a blitz they were having trouble with. And JT goes over and draws it up for the offense. Staying engaged. Helping and encouraging Stetson. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, right? I mean, that's the chemistry that Kirby talks about. You guys saw Kendall and Kenny when we did the KM Squared show on Dog Nation. Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton and, and the fun these guys had uh, talking about their team, talking about football. I mean, there is a true chemistry on this team that's leading to this championship season. That's why I'm, I'm all – that's why I have complete faith – that George is going to go undefeated. 
Um, not just because of the coaches, not just because of the talent and the defensive coaching staff is ridiculous. You know, Eli Drinkwitz said it earlier. You just added Will Muschamp to that staff. He said that should be illegal because Kirby's a cracker, Jack. You saw what he did working for Nick Saban all those years. And Dan Lanning's unbelievable. The players love him. He's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. And then you put Muschamp in that mix and along shoe and coach Scott. I mean, my goodness, it, there's not a better defensive staff in the country offensively, I say make Todd Munkin the first $3 million coordinator. This guy is, is hard-nosed. He's tough. And you better be hard-nosed and tough to work for Kirby Smart. And Munkin is. And the play calling is unbelievable. Let's not kid ourselves. A lot of the success we're seeing is Todd Munkin. He does an unbelievable job scheming. His play calling is one step ahead. Pay this man. Keep this guy. Whatever you've got to do. $3 million a year, sign it. Because I think Munkin may be going back to the NFL. If not, uh, you know, that that to me would seem like where he would want to be. Most of these guys want to coach in the NFL where, you know, they can, you know, they can get the players that do everything uh, to bring their, their scheme to life. We, we've seen Munkin's explosivity with JT in there. Uh, the, this offense, this this air raid concept just come to life. So uh, but the, the, the coaching staff, uh, but it's the chemistry that the players have and it's the level of buy in. And you just get a feeling talking to these guys. The moment is not too big for them. They're in the moment. They're where their feet are, right? What's important now? Um, and, and to me, that's the key. I wondered what would happen, you know, when you lose two captains, Jamari and Adam, does that rock the boat a little bit? I mean, those are two, those are two pretty key players. Those are two great football players. And, and I did think they were a little off against Missouri, but they weren't that far off against Missouri. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, they can't play. This team has enough leadership that they were able to sustain that, uh, that drive. And, and I think Tennessee is going to be a good challenge. I think Tennessee is going to come after them. I think Tennessee will hit them with some plays. But Georgia loves these challenges. They can't wait to go to Neyland Stadium and, and play in adversity. This is a program that is built to handle adversity. So it's an exciting time. Uh, I know all of you are enjoying the season. I'm enjoying the season. Uh, take some questions here. Uh, why doesn't Munkin run an up-tempo offense, Tony? Uh, well, Kirby doesn't want him to. Um, when you're winning a game, Kirby wants to bleed clock, keep the other team's offense off the field, control the clock, smash mouth, pound, wear the other team down. This is a personality that Kirby's chosen for now. And it could vary depending on the game situation. Again, I think if they don't score 21 in three minutes against Florida, we probably see a quarterback change. But Munkin does what the game situation calls for. It's called complementary football. And when you've got a great defense like Georgia has, you don't need to be playing fast break offense. Now, you could. You could do that. And, you know, Alabama, you know, tries to do that. Uh, it's a strategy. It helps them recruit quarterbacks, receivers, put up great offensive numbers. Um, but that's not a Todd Munkin call. Okay, you have to understand that. Kirby's fingerprints are over who's playing quarterback and what they're doing on offense. Now, he'll say it's a staff decision, but but he's the head guy. And he doesn't need to apologize for that. This Kirby Smart football team. And Todd works for him. And those two have a working relationship. But, yes, if Todd Munkin was the head coach, you would probably see a different offense. Now, maybe, maybe not though. Maybe Munkin would go, "Are you crazy? If I had a defense like that, I ain't throwing it more than twenty times in a game." We'll see. Uh, Antoine, he didn't say he gave all control 
to, to Munkin. That's not true. Okay. You, you heard what you wanted to hear there. Uh, Todd Munkin calls the plays, but these are plays and tempo that's decided on after an entire week of meeting. The meetings take place. It's not like Kirby's sitting on the sideline going, geez, I wonder what Munkin's going to do today. They've talked about it all week. They've practiced it all week. They put the packages in. Once they're in game, Munkin's calling the plays. Kirby's got veto power. Doubt that he very. I doubt that he ever uses it. But he already has an idea. Him and Munkin are on the same page as far as what that offensive game plan is going to look like. And they've got answer plays. You know, they've got a sheet that tells them what to do in scenario A, B, and C. I was reading some quotes from Josh Heupel today, and Heupel was saying, "You play the game out ten different times." in your mind and you get 10 different results. And what you try to do as a coach is have an answer for each scenario. And Hypo, obviously a great offensive mind. You got to give the guy uh, a lot of credit for what he's doing at Tennessee. Certainly one of the candidates for the Steve Spurrier award. Very interesting. Uh, You guys have any more questions for me? I see my producer, Michael Carvel tells me that we're, we're running out of time tonight. Uh, if you guys have any more questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. Uh, Dan Mullen makes more money than Kirby. Google it. He does right now, AP Booker. But boy, you know Kirby's getting, you know, Kirby's got a renegotiation going on. I, I, I wonder, will Kirby Smart get to $10 million? That's what I wonder. And if he wins a national title, I'd say the answer will be yes. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, I see Joel Moody is also glad to see Burton and Smith back. I think that's huge uh, for Kirby and Georgia to have those guys on the perimeter. I don't know if you've noticed Georgia has been doing a lot with double tight ends um, and that's important. Uh, but I think if you've got more guys on the perimeter, that opens some things up. Barry Anderson wants to know if Kirby's is if uh, Pickens is out of the black Jersey, we did not have an open practice today. I do not know the answer to that question. Uh, I still think we're going to see Pickens uh, maybe against Alabama, uh, but I can't be certain of that. Last week, checked in with Kirby, Dr. James James Andrews, uh, the orthopedic, uh, world-renowned orthopedic specialist who's based in Birmingham, is still meeting with Pickens. Is Chris Smith 100? Barry Anderson wants to know. Probably not and probably won't be the rest of the year. He has a subluxation, and that's when your shoulder can pop out of joint and has to be popped back in. I think they're probably just careful with him against Missouri. Let's be honest. Missouri is not going to test you. Right. So I think that getting Dan Jackson, those reps was probably Kirby just being smart and uh, keeping Smith Smith saved up for this next game, which I think is very important. So uh, I see someone saying that Stetson could be the starter next year. I, I, I don't know that it depends on if JT's back, if JT's back, then probably absolutely not. Um, you know, but I, you have a team right now with a great defense. You're going to lose eight or nine of these starters. You're going to need a much different offense next year. And I think you're going to want to see a guy that's chucking it around, be it uh, JT Daniels or Brock Vandergriff. Uh, not sure of Carson Beck's plans. Uh, will Anderson get cleared? Listen, this is a sticky situation, obviously. Then when there's an investigation going on, uh, there's really not much I can say. You can say anybody can say. This is a thing that has to run its course legally. When I talked with Lieutenant Bennett from the ACCPD, he told me there would be a thorough investigation. So far, no charges have been pressed and uh, no arrest has been made. So that investigation still going on. Uh, It does take time. Why is he suspended? 
because that is part of a, a I believe that's an EOC code. There's the legal, um, the law, and then there's your Title IX regulations that schools operate by. And there's they're very different from one another. And I'm not going to get into all of those details. You can certainly Google Title IX um, legislation with sexual assaults and do some research on that on your own. Uh, Eric Gilbert still not with the team. I see there's a question there. Not sure what his future is. Once again, when we get into these personal situations, myself, uh, I kind of draw the line there right? as a sports writer. You know, now this is a personal situation for a player. Uh, I'm not calling and asking questions. I've been told it's a personal situation. I'm going to respect that. That's me. Now, other people, you know, may go about it differently, but at Dog Nation, uh, we try to be very thorough and very factual and very journalistic in our approach. Uh, but we, we draw the line and uh, that's where we'll draw the line when a kid is dealing with a personal situation. Um, you know, that's that's we're not going to invest our resources in investigating that in a personal situation for a player. That's what the schools told us. We're going to respect that. And so that's where that is at. Uh, I'm going to head up to Knoxville earlier this week, try to get some coverage from up there. Uh, remember, this is the toxic environment game, right? George, George, Tennessee last year was ranked 14th and had won eight in a row coming into this Georgia game last year. And we're beating Georgia and Stetson Bennett at halftime, 21 to 17 at halftime in Sanford Stadium. You guys remember that? Samir White got stopped twice at the one-yard line right before the half. And obviously in the second half, Georgia came roaring back, uh, dominated. I believe it was 44-21 was the final. The defense forced turnovers. And then here's what happened. And I should, Pruitt unloaded on his team in the locker room, lost the team. And the next week they went out and laid down and got beat by Kentucky like 34-7. Tennessee was never the same. Georgia broke Tennessee last year. Georgia's been breaking a lot of teams this year because they're that good. And uh, man, let's all enjoy that, right? We can we can all vary on our opinions on, on the team, but man, I, I think everyone that's associated with Georgia football has a respect for what this program is doing, and uh, I certainly do. Again, I've covered many great programs, and this one uh, is is fantastic. It's it's intriguing. Uh, it's compelling information. I share my opinion. Tomorrow night, Connor and coverage right here. You get to watch Connor Riley. He has his opinions. He does his research as well. Uh, Wednesday night, there's Centel's Intel. When we get into the uh, Before the Hedges, his recruiting coverage, uh, I think Jeff does an outstanding job with that. Thursday night, it's cover four. Uh, fun debate, fun discussions. Um, and then uh, Brandon Adams every day at 10 with uh, Dog Nation Daily. So I know you guys enjoy Brandon. Uh, a lot of enthusiasm from Brandon. And uh, you can catch me on Feinbaum later this week. Not sure if it's Thursday or Friday yet. Uh, I haven't gotten that call. Uh, but it'll be one of those two days. And uh, hopefully Feinbaum will ask me more about Georgia lately. He just wants to ask about ball. And I said, look, can we talk about the number one team in the country? I think this week he's going to talk about the number one team. You know Paul Feinbaum is a Tennessee grad. He's going to ask me about this game. And uh, you guys know what I think. I think I think Tennessee can punch it up a little bit, but uh, I don't see anybody derailing this machine. I want everybody to have a wonderful Monday night. I want to thank you for joining me. Reach out to my friend Jimmy. Follow him on Twitter. He's a tremendous journalist. He does a great job, and I'm really honored we had him on. I like having these guests on from, from other schools. Some of them get a little freaked out by your comments. Uh, you could tell Edgar did from Florida. Uh, Jimmy, not so much. Jimmy's a pro. 
believe me, he's been trolled probably more than anybody, including me. Uh, but the comments are fun and it's and it just makes me happy that I can invite people on and, and share this great dog nation angles on the beat audience. So everybody have a wonderful week. Enjoy the game Saturday. Uh, you'll see me again with uh, B.A. and Connor and Jeff on Thursday night's cover four.